All right, let's look in the book tonight, Nehemiah chapter 2. Brother Mike said something about going another week. He's singing my song. Amen. I, I'm ready right now to start next week. <laughs> if you're going to uh, hold me back to preaching an hour a night, I'm going to need six or seven weeks. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right. Oh, I didn't get many amens right there. I, a few chuckles. Oh, Brother Mike ain't joking. Amen. Uh, amen. Anyway, uh, unlike some people, I enjoy doing what God allows me to do. Amen. Uh, Nehemiah chapter number 2, 7, 8. I detected a little... Oh, I detected a little downdraft in the service there just a second ago. I don't know if God was dealing with somebody's heart about testifying and you didn't do it or what, but uh, I detected a little, uh, little downdraft there a little bit. But anyway, we'll try to get God to forgive you over that. And uh, it might have been me. I don't know. Uh, maybe God told me to do something I wouldn't listen to. Uh, but we'll try to get that fixed up. Amen. Uh, don't despair. Amen. Uh, these folks that spent uh, time in concentration camps a, lo a lot longer than you have spent in church this week. Amen. You're not that tired. Amen. Amen. It's serving the Lord. So it's supposed to be a glorious and a wonderful thing. Amen. Football games last three hours and, and all kinds of stuff lasts a lot longer than you've been in church during the week. I don't know what it is. We get used. We've got used to it over the years of just, you know, coming to church and and doing our little thing and going home and, you know, boy, uh, you know, I sure am tired. Well, there's been a lot of people a lot more tired than you are. God's been good to us, amen. And God's uh, given us so many great blessings uh, that we ought to be glad to be able to go. Uh, the Bible says uh, uh, that I was glad when they said unto me, let us go in the house of the Lord. And I was, sure was tired when they said unto me. That ain't what it said at all, amen. And uh, the body does get tired. I'm not knocking you for that. But man, uh, uh, there sure is a lot of folks very interested in doing a lot of things this day and time. But when it comes from church, some, some, when it comes to church, somehow uh, I'm awful tired. Awful tired. I think maybe there's some influence there that's maybe suggesting some things to you. Uh, I don't really understand. Well, I know, I know what's going on in the world today. The Bible tells us very clearly that the devil is the prince of the power of the air and that he sets the course of the world. How do you explain that so many people now are talking about love, 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 love? You're supposed to love everybody and accept everybody. And, uh, but uh, stand in the streets and protest over Israel defending itself from Hamas. I don't understand that at all. And if you understand that, I don't want to know you or talk to you or smell you or be in the same room with you. Hey, man, you say, well, that's a bunch of judgmental. I don't see how somebody gets bombed and then retaliates and then uh, you then squawking about love. And that's what you're doing too, squawking. That's all I hear when I hear a bunch of junk like that. If somebody bombed, if somebody bombed your house, you'd be thinking differently. Yes. Amen. If somebody was shooting rockets at you on a daily basis, you'd think differently. Right, Amen. Well, they got them packed off down there. They packed off down there because they've been acting the same way when they wouldn't packed off down there. And well, you say, what is it? It's the devil. The Bible, the Bible tells us very plainly and very clearly that the devil is the prince of the power there and he, that he sets the course of this world. And it seems like, it seems like people, uh, you know, they say uh, accept these people and accept that people and these people homosexuals and those people pedophiles and everything else. And 
Boy, I'm telling you what, all that stuff's acceptable, but defending yourself and being a man and doing what God wants you to do, that stuff's not acceptable. That's hateful. No, sir, you got it dead wrong. And this world's going the way it's going, and there may come a time when they suppress a godly voice, but one of these days they're going to meet God, not just a godly voice. If you hear a godly voice, you can protest against that and have your own opinion. But when you meet God, things are going to be according to this book. Amen? And uh, I, my recommendation to you tonight is the same as, uh, as the sermon that I want to bring to you. And I might have preached it here before, but I'm going to preach it again here tonight. And I'm going to talk to you about the good hand of God. And that's exactly what you need. You need the good hand of God on you. This country doesn't need a Democrat or a Republican or anything else. It needs the good hand of God on it. If you've got some political persuasions, I hope you're happy with them. I hope they're well studied. I hope you've went and figured out who you're going to vote for and you've prayed about who you're going to vote for. But I tell you what, if God don't put his, uh, put his hand on this country, we could have ten Trumps or ten Bidens and we just have to weigh them in the balance and see which one comes out the best. Without God's hand on you, you're not going to get the right result. Amen? And we, we, we should have learned that a long time ago when the odds were so much against us and, and the greatest power in the world was against us and folks got out in their churches and prayed and had days of fasting and uh, camp meetings and revivals and prayed and preached about the goodness and the righteousness of God and then God did something for our country then. Uh, but ever since people been in the street marching for homosexuals and abortion and all this kind of thing, boy, it seems like we can't even whoop a bunch of third world countries or fourth world countries or, and we'll whoop them and whoop them and we'll whoop them, but why won't they go away? Yeah. Uh, the, uh, you can't stand here and say, and I hear these uh, folks in, in, in uh, Hollywood and in uh, Washington and they're quick to say, oh, we lost that war, we lost that war. Uh, Vietnam to this day ain't never a, one person stood in front of the troops of this country and and uh, and defeated them in battle. But they just keep coming back and coming back and coming back. Ain't, ain't lost no war. What we lost, the war we lost in Washington D.C. with a bunch of folks that don't love God in New York City that don't love God. Oh, ain't it funny how them folks in New York City love immigrants until they start getting parked on their front doorstep? Uh, then you see what love is all about. They ain't got nothing to do with love. They're trying to wreck this country. The devil's, listen, the devil's, one of the devil's number one joys is to defeat Israel. And I believe right there, but right coming in a close second behind that, the devil would like to destroy the America that some of you folks know and some of you folks love and some of you folks grew up in. And so the land of liberty, not in a while it ain't. Not in a while it ain't. Amen. Now it's uh, you got to love and accept everything. Well, that ain't liberty. If I got to love everything and accept everything, that ain't liberty. Where's my conscience involved in that? And the only way you're going to get liberty, let me give you the best verse. If you're interested in politics, let me give you the best verse in the Bible on politics. Where the Bible says in the book of Corinthians, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And when the Holy Spirit walks out, you're losing your liberty, buddy. I don't care how many guns you got. I don't care what you do. When the Spirit of the Lord walks out, I don't care if you got Republicans or Democrats. I don't care if you're conservative or liberal. When the Spirit of God walks out, you're losing your, lib your liberty. You're losing it. Amen. There ain't never been liberty one place on this earth where God didn't have his hand. There ain't been one successful marriage 
marriage on this planet except God had his hand involved in it. There had not been one good man on this earth unless God had his hand on him. There hadn't been one good mama on this planet except for a mama that God had his hand on. And if we're talking about revival, if we want to get revival, we got to have a preacher that's got the hand of God on him. we got to have a congregation got the hand of God on it. we got to have a church that's got the hand of God on it. When somebody gets up to sing, they got to have the hand of God on them. And if God don't approve of it, you better separate from it and push it away. God called us to be a separate people, not a popular people, not a popular people. Listen, what you ought to be worried about is being popular with God. Amen. Now, we need to help people and encourage people. Well, if people would get right with God, God, they'd be helped and encouraged. The Bible says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. What you need to do is get rid of your opinion and, 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 and especially stop letting Hollywood and liberals tell you what your opinion ought to be. And if you want to find out what you should judge and what you shouldn't judge, get in the Bible and say, God, teach me what I ought to accept and what I ought not to accept. Amen. And stop thinking in just this uh, cut and dry idea. Well, I like white people or I like black people. Hey, why don't you get around God and say, hey, God, who do you want? Then you can find you some good godly white people and some good godly black people. And you wouldn't, Things ain't just cut and dry, white and black and red and brown and yellow. It's God's people, amen. They ought to have the hand of God on them. And then what you could do is you could take every other thing that there was, people that was against God or, or going away from God or don't know God, if you got the hand of God on you, you can influence those folks for what's right, amen. You say, well, I don't like these people because they're this way. Well, get full of the Holy Ghost and help them then. I can't go to church with them folks across town. Well, I tell you what, you get full of the Holy Ghost and go help them people to be the people they ought to be. Then you can rejoice with them and shout with them and sing with them and holler with them. But I tell you what, I wouldn't go across town. I wouldn't let you drive me across town. I wouldn't waste the gas to go across town to sit in a disco light church. Not for one, not for one minute. Amen. Oh, well, what's wrong with the disco lights? Well, they was in the bars first. Now they're in the church. You mean they've had an effect on us, but we ain't had an effect on them? Why don't the bars have pews in them? Huh? Why don't the bars have a pulpit in there? Because that's a different place. I don't want to look like them, nor, nor smell like them. Amen. Unfortunately, I have smelled like them a time or two. Amen. And I didn't wake up happy with myself. Did you? No, sir. Oh, God. Did you feel that? Went right over the edge there, didn't it? About lost your lunch there. What I'm talking about is there's a difference between, there's a difference, there ought to be a difference between God's people. There ought to be a difference between God's house and God's worship and God's men and God's women and what the world is out there. Amen. Amen. Oh, don't be judgmental, Brother Mike. Don't be judgmental. People laugh and, oh, he's outdated and stuff like that. Brother Mike going to preach on yogurt pants or something like that. Well, Christian lady ought not to wear that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I said it right, too. I, I didn't say yoga pants. I don't know what you're doing. Yoga, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what you're doing dealing with that Eastern mysticism anyway. Well, I'm going to do this yoga and I'm going to feel better. Get right with God, you'll feel better. That's what you do. I said it right, yogurt pants. These folks look like about 15 pounds of yogurt poured in a five-pound sack. That's exactly what it looks like. Amen. Ain't nobody wants to see you walking around in your underwear, and if they do, they ain't right with God. Amen. Amen. Get right with God and get you a wife and do what you're supposed to do as a husband and a wife and, and quit you showing off. Amen. Who are you showing off for anyway? Amen. Brother Mark, ain't nobody in here that does that. I don't know that. I don't know you. Amen. I don't know what you do. I don't know what you do. Amen. 
Right. Amen. Yep. That's good preaching. Amen. Yeah. That's yeah. right. That's real good preaching. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. We need more of it. And I'll tell you what, we need somebody smarter than me to do it. Amen. Yeah. Uh, ain't nobody likely to listen to a dumb old country boy from the Appalachian Mountain. But these big professionals, you know, they got $5,000 suits and they ride around in the best cars and got the biggest churches. And they say, they say one thing about you. Oh, don't be so. Don't be so legalistic and judgmental. People fall off their wagon to try to follow stuff like that. Yeah. But I'm afraid people are following that stuff right into hell. Yeah. That, listen, that's why, listen, that's why that the churches today, though they've got all the money, they got money to build Taj Mahals this day and time with churches. But they ain't got enough strength to get somebody off a of dope or to get an old drunkard in off the street and get them saved. Amen. That's, what, that's really what I'm worried about. Some poor old drunkard that ain't got nothing. I can remember Brother Nathan walking around these rooms when I was a pastor here and just walk over, all over the place and say, God, make us a good church out of a bunch of poor people that don't think much out of themselves and help us to get your hand upon us. And I believe the Lord's done that. And the Lord took some of you right out of the ditch and set you up and made you something. Amen. Gave you a few dollars. Amen. God may not keep you poor all your life, but you got to be poor in spirit right at the start. Read Matthew 5. You don't have to read very far into the book of Matthew to tell that. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Oh God, I ain't nothing. Amen. That kind of a person that say, I'll read the scripture in a minute. Amen. You, I, ain't, I ain't got a hurry tonight, have you? Uh, what we need is a bunch of people come in here and say, oh God, I'm not nothing. I never have been nothing. I never will be nothing. God, listen, if somebody gets on to me and tells me I ought to, I ought to change, I'll change. Lord, if you tell me to stand on my head and stack BBs, I'll do that. You tell me I need to baptize, I'll do that. You tell me I need to tithe, I'll do that. Just Lord, give me whatever it is I need to do and I'll do it. That's that's a man that's poor in spirit that knows he needs something. Listen, but people this day and time, they come in, I want to go to the church of my choice. I want to go, I want to go somewhere where they got a little bit of prestige and the air conditioning works real good. Now that ain't where Jesus wound up when he was walking on this planet, amen. Amen. He went down to where the poor folks was and the harlots was and the drunkards was and the beggars was. He said, I can make something out of them, but I can't make nothing out of them hardheads that know it all. Them fellas down at the denominational headquarters, they know everything there is to know. They know the law back and forth and they know how to get in. Uh, they, need, they know how to talk about this and they know how to talk about that. And they've done worked out all their explanations. Oh, brother Tom, you don't need to worry about that. You just need to love everybody. Yeah. And the Lord said, you, the kind of love you got ain't worth nothing. Amen. He said, you're loving in word, but you're supposed to love in deed and in truth. And the Bible tells you, listen, the, the, the Bible clearly says that you don't love people by talking. You love people by doing. And the number one thing that you do is you be obedient to God's commandments. That's how you love your brother. The number one thing in your Bible about love is you're going to love all of these people by keeping God's commandments. Amen. But you say, you say one thing. Follow God's commandments. Oh, you're a legalist. Ain't nobody said you had to do that to be saved. Amen. We love him because he first loved us. We love these people because these people are the people that Jesus died for. I'm going to church to get comfortable. Amen. You ought to come in here tomorrow night and strip all the... All the padding off of the pews make people yeah. just, amen, you sit there and listen, don't want you to fall asleep. Yeah. Amen. That's what folks, that's what churches have gotten good at, falling asleep. Yeah. Falling asleep. Well, preacher, I disagree with you on that. Well, sit down and let's have a debate about it. Yeah. Well, you know, I just, I really couldn't tell you where that is in the Bible, preacher, but 
Uh, people know about as much as Bible. And then when you go to preaching, they'll say, oh, I can already hear it. I can already hear it in some circles. Brother Mike's already talked 15 minutes and he hadn't even read his scripture. You didn't read your scripture all week and now all of a sudden you're interested in how many verses I'm going to read during the course of this sermon. You old hypocrite. That ain't what you care about. What you care about is I ain't lining up with you. That's what you're worried about. That's what people are worried about. Hey, scratch my back. I got some ears here and I want to hear it just this way. I guarantee you if Jesus, if Jesus was the scheduled preacher tonight, he'd read all your minds and tell you everything but what you came to hear. I guarantee that. You could have nine, you could have nine, nine T's crossed and leave that one undone. The Lord would find that one and say, let's scratch right there a little bit. Oh, let, me, let, me, let me help you. You got nine good ones, but let me help you on that other one. Hey, did Jesus come to make folks whole? Well, what does hole mean? Not hole in the ground. Uh, you dig enough of them your own self, don't you? That's what most Christians are involved in, hole digging. I'm digging myself, I'm digging myself a hole to jump in. And then jump in the hole, preacher, come help me out. Well, I, I preached a sermon that would have helped you out two months ago and a month and a half ago. And, and I've been preaching it, I've been preaching it, I've been preaching it, but you ain't been listening. And now you want me to go solve your problems for you. Oh, I've had fellas sit right in here in this, little, in this little room right here, Brother Curtis, and preach to them and preach to them, and they get mad at me and say, Preacher, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. And then go home and talk about the preacher like a dog and talk about the associate pastor like a dog and talk about the deacons like a dog. And boy, there's a bunch of judgmental people down there, and they think they know it all down there. And we like that Southern Baptist way, and we're going to do it the way we always done. And that preacher ain't got no sense. But when they're Children got wild as hell. Brother Mike, could you come down and talk to my youngest? No, I can't talk to them. What do you mean? You don't love them? No, I can't talk to them because you done convinced them I don't know what I'm talking about. Amen. But I've been reading this Bible a long time and it hadn't changed not one time. This book hadn't changed not one time. And the stuff the old time preachers were preaching, it's still true today. Hey, it's a possibility they got a point wrong here or a point, a point wrong there. And there's some places in the Bible you and me can disagree about. And listen, there's, we don't got a mind big enough to understand that book. If it's God's book, we ain't got a mind to understand it all. But boy, the stuff in there that's plain, it's plain, ain't it? Uh, the Bible says the Holy Spirit, you'll hear a voice behind you and he's talking about the Holy Spirit and he'll say, this is the way, walk in it. That's a plain book right there. That's a plain book. Yeah. And let me tell you this, if God hates it or God loves it, what in the world difference does it matter if it's in the Old Testament or the New? All you know, all that, all that stuff about sin, Brother Mike, that's in the Old Testament. But that's the mind of God. That stuff is the mind of God. That stuff is the stuff that's supposed to convince you, you was a sinner. And once you're convinced you're a sinner, you say, now what can I do to be saved? That's the Bible question. And God said, nothing. And God said, I'm going to send my son to die on the cross for you. Oh, and now I'm saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Anything goes, right? No, that ain't right. That ain't right. You'd want to live pleasing to the Lord, wouldn't you? Oh, was, so 99.9% uh, .9 of the stuff about homosexuality is in the Old Testament, but boy, I ain't about to accept it now. Oh. Uh, that little 0.1% about that there is in the book of Romans, boy, I tell you what, that's pretty clear. Yeah, Worthy of death. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's what it says. So God ain't changed on his morality. I'm glad we ain't got to kill no sheep, amen? I'll I tell you what. Uh, one day I was walking through the meat department and I saw a leg of lamb down there and I'd never had no leg of lamb. Amen, I'm an American, red meat. Bacon, because I'm not in the Old Testament. And I saw that thing down there and it looked kind of good. I was like, man, it don't look good as this steak right here, but I'm going to take the steak and I'm going to pick up that leg of lamb and take it home. I took it home, nobody there but me. I said, I'll enjoy this all by myself. And I cooked it up and I took a bite of it and I threw the rest in the trash can. It wasn't no good. I'm, I don't even want to eat a leg of lamb, let alone sacrifice one. Now, you might like it, but you might like to eat it and, and enjoy it. You can have all the lamb you want. You can have my portion too. But thank God I ain't got to sacrifice one just, just, to get in, just to get in favor with God for a few more months. Thank God he died on the cross for me and took care of that stuff. Now the least I could do is say, now God... How do you want me to walk? And listen, I'll be very honest with you. God tells me. When I ask him, God tells me. And then you know what I say? I still say, oh, me. Oh, me. Just that New Testament. Just hey, The Bible calls it the law of Christ. Just living by the law of Christ, pretty hard to do. Huh? Have faith. That which is not of faith is sin. Huh? There's where the altar call is right there. Oh, preacher, I just feel like, well, go, go, just go away. Just cut them off right there and tell them to go away and come back when God's made it sure to them. I feel like. I don't care nothing about your feelings. You'll feel different in the morning. Uh, we had a little fellow right here in the church. He come to me right back there one week and said, preacher, I feel led to be an evangelist. I said, I don't feel led to let you be one. Why not? Because you ain't got no sense. You don't know what to do. What are you going to tell them people out there? Oh, and he come back the next week, Bro Brother Mike, I prayed about it all week. I feel led to be a, a missionary. I said, that quick. God changed his mind one week, huh? So I still don't feel led. So I don't believe you're being led by God to, to do that. Because you ain't got nothing to say. You ain't, hey, like the fellow told, uh, the, the, the general there in the Old Testament, the fellow said, let me run and tell David what happened. He said, what are you going to go tell? You ain't got nothing to tell. Huh. Oh, he's a good runner. He was a good runner. The fellow he did let go, he finally said, now come on, let me go tell. He said, well, go on ahead and go then. And he ran and caught up to him and passed him and got all the way to the king and said, what about? And he goes, uh, well, Well, the people that God put in your pathway, they know. Hey, man, I'm talking about as far as spiritual leadership goes. They know what's going on. Don't let these recovering fundamentalists tell you that the preacher don't know what he ought to do. Hey, man, if they've been running a while, they know. About half of us preachers is three-quarters backslid most of the time, but we've been reading the Bible long enough to know the difference. Hey, man, we, now listen. You let somebody come up to be a pastor. Oh, you don't got to be perfect. You don't got to be perfect. But then once you start preaching at them, oh, you better be perfect. Don't You can't tell me that. Oh, oh, this, be graceful with us, preacher. Be graceful. We are being graceful with you, amen. Ain't nobody pointing a shotgun at you saying you better join the church. Nobody pointing a shotgun at you saying you better tie this week. The preacher says what he says, you go on live your life. Ain't nobody going to come hang you for it. 
Amen. But I tell you what, every time the preacher leveled his gospel gun at me and let a few off in my direction, what, oh Lord, you're right about that. You're right about that. Because what a Christian is supposed to have is a repentant heart and a repentant spirit. Amen. A, a, a humble heart and a contrite heart. A contrite heart says, boy, I, I'm a little bit mad at that preacher because he's stepping on my toes. But I'm going to go home and pray about that. And the Holy Ghost might say, why don't you go to the altar and pray about it? Well, I heard this fellow that's like 25 years old, and he knows it all. And he said they wasn't supposed to be no altars. I know a, fellow, a lot of fellows been doing it for 100 years longer than you have, believed in them altars. Yeah. Just because you come along 22 years old, you don't believe in an altar. You think I'm going to give it up just because you don't agree with it? Hey, preaching the book, you think I'm going to give up on that? Just because some fellow 25 that was raised in church and feels like he's abused, and just because he said that some preacher preaching hard hurt his feelings and got him out of church, you think, I, listen, out of all the lives I've seen changed by the preaching of the gospel and the preaching of the right principles of God, you think that's going to make me stop just because uh, some little wet behind the ears, snot nose sissy? who ain't never enjoyed church a day in his life. He was raised up in church and hated every bit of it. You think I'm going to change just because of that? Or you think I'm going to change because some ear-scratching preacher across town don't like that legalistic way they do it around here? You think I'm going to quit behind that when I know how God deals with the wicked heart because I got one of them wicked hearts and I know how that book speaks to me and I know how that book won't leave me alone? You think I'm going to go your way just so I can hear a pretty Christmas cantata, whatever that is? Amen. Give it to me plain. It's a Christmas play or song or something like that. This year we're gonna we're gonna worship. We're gonna observe the Passion. Oh, what's that all about? You reading Harlequin romance? Well, it says in Acts chapter one, it's Passion. I know it does, but that ain't the way us country folks talk. Huh? I don't know. I don't know why one person in this county would give would give some of these slick smooth college graduate preachers one ounce of your time. You know better than that. You know better than that junk. Yeah. Amen. You yeah. Junk? You're talking Christian worship junk. It's J-U-N-K, junk. Yeah. The greatest yeah. part of it is junk. Yeah. Hey, if they let the singers get up on Sunday morning, they look just like the country singers out there in the world and sound just like them. Hey, you got yourself a problem. God's hand ain't yeah. on that. Yeah. Why in the world am I having so much problem now, preacher? Because it's been a long time since God had his hand on you or your preacher or anybody else if you're going that way. Yeah. Amen. You better come up and hug your preacher's neck after church and say, preacher, thanks for not going that way. Amen. Amen. I know about three quarters of the preachers around here, the best preaching, the most fired up there. I don't know about the best or not, but the most fired up they ever got is after they heard Brother Mike ramble on for a little bit. They probably went and had a good time Sunday morning then. I'll tell you what, that preacher over there, he's so mean. I'll tell you what. And I'm the nicest man you ever met. I'm the nicest preacher you ever seen. Amen. You ask anybody that knows me. But I can't listen. I can't back up on what the Bible says. You say, why not? That was the introduction. Why can't I back up on it? Because I want God's hand on me. Uh, there's not a person in this room that I wouldn't be glad to shake your hand, call you my friend for the rest of my days on this earth, be they long or be they short. But I'm not going to trade God's hand on me just to be your friend or, or to get an extra meeting. I don't get no extra meetings. I got, I got uh, 50 open weeks. Huh? 50 open weeks. 
And the only reason we preach revival here is because I used to be the pastor here. And Brother Nathan ain't compromised yet. Amen. Amen. You come here four years after and it's still being done the same way. Amen. Get a few songs in and open the Bible and preach. Amen. And then people don't hurry up, Brother Mike. What, what you want to hurry? What you want me to hurry up for? You're going to go out back and talk for two hours after this. Uh, you don't know you're in the best church on the planet, man. Look, go around, look at these other churches, man. Hurry up, preacher. Hurry up, preacher. And then just as soon as the preacher's over, down the road, they, I guess they're going down to uh, get their Travis Tritt tickets or something. I don't know. Who, I don't know who's singing country music this day and time, but they sure in a hurry to get out of here, ain't they? Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know if I can hang around or not, preacher. I just don't know. I just don't know. I bet if Taylor Swift called you, you'd go hang out with her and eat a hamburger with her a little while, wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh-huh. Brother Mike, you're going to talk bad about Taylor Tritt? Uh, what, what's her name? Twit? Yeah. Hey, man, bunch of, bunch of foolishness. Yes, sir. Wasn't she so nice when she first come out? That's the way they are. They're all so nice. Right. What's, that, what's the other girl's name? I used to preach about her, but she's forgotten now. Myris? Oh, thank you, brother. <laughs> Appreciate that. Appreciate that testimony. Anyway, that's who it is. <laughs> he has to like me after a while. Amen. He's married to my young that's right. Wasn't she cute when she was working for Disney? Oh, so cute. So cute. So cute. And got her in the heart of all these little girls and all these little kids growing up following. And just as soon as she got old enough to do it, she went as far left and as far uh, floozy as she could go. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, where's she at now? I don't know. I, I ain't seen her hurt. I ain't seen her name in the news. Nobody talking about her anymore. So once the devil's done using her to take a generation away, they'll get somebody like Taylor Swift. She was, oh, so nice, so sweet. Look at this little girl. And now she's way over there in left field. Oh, amen. What you, listen, if you had the hand of God on you, you'd have known that. You'd have seen that coming. Oh, but this one, this one, Brother Mike, I, I'll agree with you, this country music stuff, it's, uh, it's bad. I know it's all bad, but look at this one, this new one. They're nice and they talk about Jesus. They're talking about Jesus now. Uh, but they're still acting like the devil and they're still following the devil. I know they're following the devil from the beginning because I've seen where they ended up at. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And you should have known that to begin with. Well, yeah. but people love that stuff now. I think I'm, I think I'm plowing a stump now. Brother Mike, I, I love to hear some scripture now. I bet you would. I bet you would love to hear some scripture. You'd love to hear it so much you spent a lot of extra time reading the Bible today, didn't you? You old hound, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're probably going to slip right out there in your car after church and uh, press, uh, press play on what, whoever it is you're listening to now. He's looking at me like, boy, these grown-ups are getting... Raked over the. <laughs> He's just sitting there like, I'm happy it ain't me. <laughs> I don't even know what press play means. <laughs> Amen. Well, let's read some scripture here. Amen. That felt good. 
I felt good. Y'all was acting like Presbyterians a while ago during the singing and all that stuff, so I thought I'd try to do what I could to liven you up a little bit. Now I'm going to preach to you for two hours, so you picked the wrong night to come. The good hand, no, I'm just kidding about that. I'm going to go as fast as I can. Uh, I'm not going to hurry on your account, but I'm going to hurry on God's account. I don't want to say too much and then you not catch what you're supposed to catch, amen? Nehemiah chapter 2, and let's read from verse number 7. Now, here's a fellow, he's in captivity down in Babylon. He's waiting on the king, so we're going to pick up right there. Moreover, I said unto the king, if it please the king, let letters be given me to the governors beyond the river, that I may convey me over till I come into Judah. And, let, uh, and a letter unto Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the palace, which appertain to the house, and for the walls of the city, and for the house that I shall enter into. This man's trying to rebuild the city of Jerusalem, and he wants to rebuild the temple of God. Amen? And I think it'd be a good idea if some of us Christians would say, hey, we've come a long way in the wrong direction of Christianity, and God, I'd like to see you rebuild what's going on, what, what used to go on in the hearts and lives. When people would go to revival for two or three weeks, and they'd go to camp meeting for two or three weeks, and they'd do what the Lord told them to do and they'd witness at work and they'd spread the word and instead of talking bad all over the place about the preacher and the church and the deacons, they'd go and say, boy, I tell you what, God's blessed us with a good church. God's blessed us with the man of God. God's blessed us with some good Bible teaching. And they'd be just that emphatic about it. You come to work on Monday morning. Boy, the Eagles sure are good this year. The four wins with the Eagles. Boy, church was wonderful this week. When's the last time you went? Listen, some folks here from other churches, hey, next Monday after you, you go home tomorrow and you, or, to, or Saturday and you go to church on Sunday morning, go prayed up. And then Monday morning when you go to work, say, man, let me tell you about the best church that's ever been. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've, been I've been going there a while, but man, I've, I've, I, I just don't understand why I ain't been telling you about it. It's so good over there and, and the preacher's perfect and never uh, preaches a dud. And I mean, I'm, we just got the most wonderful people over there, you know, good and well, everybody. You know, good and well, everybody in the church is a hypocrite. But if you ain't down on yourself about it, why, why are you going to be down on uh, everybody else about it, man? Just tell them we got the most wonderful hypocrites you ever met over there. Come join us; you'll be one more. Hey, man, just talk good about. It. Well, them hypocrites in the church. There's a lot of hypocrites right around around here where we work at. But you go to work with them. Huh, I don't see you quitting your job because of them hypocrites. Uh, you know what it is? Because that work puts money in your pocket, amen. And the church ain't been putting nothing in your pocket, so you're going to quit and run home every time you get offended. You don't realize you just bring your wagon with you. God will load your wagon down and send you home with blessings, amen. If that's what you was looking for. I think some people come to church looking to be offended. Amen. Oh, I'll tell you what, if he'll offend me right good, I won't, I, I justify not coming back here no more. And then I can go tell everybody how much, oh, oh, Brother Nathan hates people. He just hates people. He's so mean. If that's what it takes to ease your conscience, well, I hope God deals with you about that. I started to say, well, go ahead and get, uh, uh, get away with it, but you ain't going to get away with it. And I don't want you to get away with it. I want God to help you. Amen. So he says, uh, he says, King, I want you to uh, send me a letter so I can go over to the fellow that holds all the lumber and get me all the lumber and everything I need. He said, that's, that'd be my request of you. I want to rebuild the house of God. And he said, uh, uh, for the house, uh, almost at the end of verse 8 there, and the king granted me according 
to the good hand of my God upon me. You know, the, the Lord can, if, if you've got a right heart, the Lord, if you've got a right heart, and if you've got God's hand on you, God can take care of any situation in this world. It don't matter who you're dealing with. Amen. Some of you think, well, you know, I could probably go talk to the preacher and he'd probably be sympathetic to my needs. Or I could talk to one of the deacons and they'd be sympathetic and they'd try to help me out. But you know, if you've got God's hand on you, the Bible says he'll make even your enemies to be at peace with yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. And, and people, I tell you what, people just, uh, I've seen it time and time again, people get so distraught and they get to the place where they get cooled off on God and they stop reading their Bible and they stop praying and they get in panic mode, I guess. They might be backslid or wicked or they might just be in panic mode, they might be frustrated and they prayed and maybe God didn't answer their question right away. Maybe he was trying to try your faith. Maybe he was trying to see if he was going to depend on him or not. I don't know, but I do know God will try you. Yeah. So you, oh, God didn't say yes right away. So you got this maybe despair or maybe rebellious. I don't know. I, every time somebody goes wrong, I don't say, well, they're rebellious. I'd be a fool to say that. But I do know if somebody starts walking away from God, maybe they're frustrated. Maybe somebody misled them. Maybe they was fooled. I don't know what the case is, but I know, what, I know this. If you get discouraged enough, whether it's by wickedness or by rebellion or frustration or whatever other emotional thing you got going on, and you start cooling off towards the book, and you start cooling off towards the church and you start cooling off towards prayer, it won't be long you'll be overcome. You'll be discouraged to the point where won't nothing go right for you. Yeah. You say, what's the key to that? Get God's hand back on you. Yeah. Amen. Well, how do I get God's hand back on me? The same way you got it off of you, just the way in reverse. Yeah. Amen. You quit praying and things started falling in the dumps. Now, that's not to say if you're praying that nothing's going to go wrong, but you ought to have the peace of God in your heart then. And, and listen, it's not up to you. It's not up to you. If you're praying, then the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and what else? Peace. Peace. It's the fruit of the Spirit, not you. Yeah. It's not the fruit of prayer. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And when you walk in the Spirit, which one of those things is prayer, one of those things is, oh, every time we come to church, the preacher talks about reading the Bible and praying and going to church. Well, what else is there? What else is God don't have plan B. All God, get, all God has is plan A. Read the Bible. Follow what it tells you. Follow after it. Follow after it with all your heart. Amen. And then it's, the, it's not a fruit of your labor. It's not a fruit of reading necessarily. It's, it, it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. When you do what God tells you to do, then fruit, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you the best way not to have green beans grow up in your yard. Don't plant none out there. Huh? If you don't plant nothing in your front yard, ain't nothing going to grow up. It just ain't going to happen. Now, weeds, they don't need planting. They'll just grow right up. And that's where most folks is living, in the weeds. Amen. And unkept, you got a, as far as your life goes, you've got an unkept yard. Amen. And the weeds will grow right up. But you're going to have to maintain, listen, you're going to have to maintain your fellowship with God. And if you'll maintain your fellowship with God, God will put his hand on you and he'll make your enemies to be at peace with you. Yeah. Amen. God will let you get into a storm every now and then, but he'll also be, be there to step out and say, peace be still. Yeah. 
And after he does that, you'll learn some lessons. And then you'll trust him more. And you'll say, man, I, I tell you what, I've learned to trust him more. I just about give up, but I kept praying. And I kept asking God to help me. And I kept going back to the Bible. And it kept saying the same thing over and over. It was consistent. Every time the same. It was even. It was steady. It never changed. Just like God. And the same way God used to do it, he's still doing it that way. And listen, contrary to popular belief, God is still parting seas and killing giants. Amen. He's going to keep on doing it too. You got something going on in your life, maybe you can't get over it because you got the hand of God off of you. And I'm telling you tonight, you get the hand of God on you. If God can make a wicked old king give this man his way, when he knows, when he knows if he's got any common sense, and which they did, if they got any common sense at all, they all they got to do is just look in the book and they did this fella got on down the road and he started building this city back and they wrote letters back to the king and said these people are raising up these are rebellious people and the king said uh, well make a uh, make a search and find me the record and they found out exactly what the man saying was right and he found out that these are sure enough some stiff necked people and they're going to rebuild this city and they're going to cause us some trouble but what did the king do tell them to go ahead and keep building he couldn't have done nothing else. He couldn't have made no other decision. It had been his best interest to say, yeah, tell that fellow to quit building. That had been his best interest to do it that way. But when God changes a man's mind, you ain't going to do nothing about it. Amen. Amen. When God's on your side, uh, the, the whole world can disagree with you. But God can make them people do stuff that's against their best interest. Amen. I don't know if God will do that every time or not. I just don't know. I guess it just depends on how much of God's hand you got on you. And I guess that depends on how much of God's hand you want on you. And you can have as much as you want. And you can have as little as you want. But when that peace vacates the area, when the Spirit of God vacates the area, I told you a while ago where the Spirit of the Lord is, uh, uh, there's liberty. Well, it just depends on if you want to deal with the consequences or not. Only 12 more points to go. Ezekiel chapter 33. Ezekiel chapter 33, the laughter is gone. Amen, that's good. Ezekiel chapter 33. Read a few references over here in the book of Ezekiel and we'll go. Ezekiel chapter, I didn't say it'd be any time soon, it just said we'd go. Ezekiel 33. Ezekiel 33 and look down in verse, uh, verse number 22. In verse number, well let's back up in verse 21 since it's the beginning of the paragraph. And it came to pass in the twelfth year of our captivity, in the twelfth month, and this another guy, it's in this very same condition as that Nehemiah was. Very same condition. He's, he's in captivity in the very same place. And he says, it came to pass in the twelfth year of our captivity, in the tenth month, in the fifth day of the month, that one that had escaped out of Jerusalem came unto me, saying, The city is smitten. Now the hand of the Lord was upon me in the evening afore, that means before, the evening afore he that was escaped came and had opened my mouth until he uh, came to me in the morning and my soul was open, and my, excuse me, my mouth was open and I was no more dumb. 
Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, they that inhabit those wastes uh, waste of the land of Israel speak, saying, Abraham was one, and we inherited the land. But we are many. The land is given us for inheritance. Abraham just won. And God gave it to him, and we're supposed to inherit it, and we're many. And so he says, Wherefore say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Ye eat with the blood, and lift up your eyes toward your idols, and shed blood, and shall ye possess the land? Ye stand upon your sword, it means they're warlike. Ye stand upon your sword, uh, you trusting in your sword. Ye stand upon your sword, and he said, Ye work abomination, and ye defile everyone his neighbor's wife, and shall ye possess the land? And that's pretty straightforward talk, ain't it? Yeah. That's pretty straightforward talk. Now this fellow's escaped out of the land of Israel and he's going to come get some advice from, from the preacher that's been taken away into captivity. And he gets there and before he ever has to give an answer, before he ever has, it's the night before the fellow gets there. Did you know that if you get the hand of God on you, God can prepare you for the situations before you get into them? And I, one thing I don't like is running in, and I've, I know that I don't like it because I've ran into this situation many times where I've went into a situation unprepared. Unprepared. Delusional, amen. But after a while you get the hand of God on you and you get God speaking with you and dealing with you, he'll prepare your heart before the thing comes up. Before the man ever come ask him a question, the Lord said, let me take you over here. Before he ever had to answer the question, the Lord said, let me take you over here. I bet Ezekiel was like, what in the world is he showing me this for? Has the Lord ever showed you something and you said, what's he showing me this for? <laughs> now, what in the why in the world would I need this information right now? And that the next day, though, this fellow shows up and says, uh, hey, what about this? Boy, we need some help over here. Well, I tell you what, Abraham was just one man. We're a bunch of people. And boy, we deserve this help. We deserve this help. God done told him it's going to be 70 years. Man, not have wasted that time. That's a long run. From Jerusalem to Babylon, long run, amen. But he says, uh, he says, oh, you know, we need some help over here. We need some help. And that's, go to a camp meeting and see what they're asking for. Oh, we need help now. Don't preach, don't grind no axes. What we, what we want to do is help everybody. We want to help everybody. You're trying to help yourself, that's what you're doing. You don't want nobody getting mad and leave, that's what you're doing. Amen. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what to help people, skin them, send them home. Amen? Just like your mama when you told a lie. She skinned you and sent you to bed, didn't she? And what that do? It helped you not to tell lies, didn't it? Amen. Amen. And so the fellow shows up the next day and Ezekiel's already got the answer because he got God's hand on it. He didn't have to double check. He didn't have to rethink and make sure he got it right. He didn't have to go consult the, the, the dean of, of students at, at any university. The fellow come up and said, hey, man, Abraham just one guy, but we inherited that land. That's our land rightfully, and we want God to give it back to us. And he said, well, how's he going to give it back to you when you're living like hell? How, how, how's he going to give you peace when you're living a precarious life? Oh, I'm going to throw it to the winds and do whatever I want to, and then I'm going to get my peace. I'm telling you, it's a fruit of the Spirit. You ain't going to get it. That's right. Huh? You can take ashwagandha root, and you can burn every essential oil there is. You ain't getting no peace until God gives it to you. Right. Amen. God didn't say do some yoga and get your, your mind at peace. Yeah, yeah, right. Become one with yourself. It's just two dummies if you do that. Yeah. Right. Amen. That's exactly right. You're the one that got you into this mess. Why would you want to get centered on yourself when you know you're the biggest dummy on the planet? Uh, ain't got no more sense than to spend three hours a day. 
I did that when I was a kid, but I was playing airplane. I wasn't trying to get centered with myself. Yeah. People's making a living off of that stuff. Let me, te- let me teach you how to do this yoga and you'll get some. No, sir, not if God don't give you peace, you ain't going to get none. Amen. God said, you're, God said you're looking everywhere else. You know, there was, a, there was a king of Israel. I'd say that's a pretty important fellow. King of Israel one time sent for the doctor and said, I need some healing. Something wrong with my feet. God stopped them fellas. Ain't no use in going to see the doctor. Go tell the king he's going to die. Well, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty bad problem with your feet, ain't it? If you're going to die from a problem with your feet. Huh? What, what would you think if you died with the problem of your feet? Huh? What would you think if you died off of something like that and then got to heaven and found out you could have lived with the bad heart if you'd have had God on your side? Huh? The Lord said, no, you turn around right there. You go back in and tell him because he sent to those doctors and didn't call for me. Tell him he's going to die and not live. Oh, now these... These sissy preachers we got this day and time, Brother Curtis, I said, now God don't. Now God don't, uh, God ain't that way no more. And, and God's, re- no sir, no sir. Listen, hey, we preached, a, uh, we preached a ordination for these boys down here, right down here in Hilliard. And I warned them boys, I warned them boys with all my heart, knowing good and well, I'm nothing to look up to. They don't have to listen to me, but knowing good and well, knowing good and well what that book says about what a high calling they is and, and what, what people are going to face in their life. And I told them boys, you better bear down on sin. You better bear down on sin. It's still destroying people. Listen, you go be a pastor. You love the people. You pray for the people. You do what you can physically for the people. But the most important thing is that you come to the point pulpit, every time you come to the pulpit, loaded for bear, and if God says preach on this, and it's positive, preach on it, and if God says preach on this, and it's negative, preach on it, no matter what kind of hypocrite you are, do the very best you can to get right with God, and come to the, come to the house of God, and say, thus saith the Lord, and put it that way, and don't give them your opinion, give them God's opinion on the thing, let them go down the road, and I had a know-it-all preacher in that very same service that got up after me, come right down to the front row and leaned on me and said, God ain't never yelled at none of his people. God don't chastise. I said, what in the world are you talking about? I don't know what in the world kind of Bible you got out, I got that out of, but you must have got it out of it because it ain't in it. I'll tell you that right now. As many, I, as, many as I love. Love. See, there's your favorite word. As many as I love, I rebuke and chase. I know what, I know this thing. Anyway, anybody from West Virginia or Virginia could figure this out. I know when I get out of the way, the Lord starts whooping on me. Amen. Do preachers get out of the way? Preachers get out of the way too. Amen. Now listen, I'd go get back said too, but I'm afraid God would kill me. Amen. I go as far as I can every time I can. Just like you. But I still got the, the Bible and that old preacher's voice in my ear going, this is the way. Walk you in it. You better get back in the way, boy. God's going to get you. And I'm not, I would not ever dare to say that I hadn't put my feet where they shouldn't go or my eyes where they shouldn't go. I'm just telling you this. There's a God in heaven that if he's got your hand on you, he ain't going to let you do that with an easy conscience. And he ain't going to let you feel just any way you can about it. He's going to tell you about it. He's going to tell you about it. And then people are going to fuss about it, but let them fuss. I'll tell you what, one of them boys is dead of an overdose. Ordained. You say you take pleasure in that? Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. 
Not even a little bit. Are you a little sore at that preacher for trying to take the edge off of what you said? A great deal, a great bit of it. Yeah. Amen. Uh, and the guys preached good messages. The guys said all kinds of good things. The guys said things and preached sermons that encouraged my heart and stirred me up. But he is wrong on that one. He is wrong on that one. But God didn't say be right every once in a while or be a good fellow every once in a while. I believe the man's a man of prayer. I believe he prays. I believe he prays. I believe that. I'm not saying anything bad about the man, but that was bad. That was bad. Get God's hand off of you. Amen. That's bad. That's bad. If you, if you, if you think 1 John chapter 1 has been taken out of the book just because Jesus died for your sins, you've got another thing coming. The Bible says you walk in darkness. He said you don't have no fellowship with God. Amen. That means me or you or anybody else. Your grandma too. Amen. You got this idea where you got to, no sir, no sir. You don't have to tread lightly. You stand flat footed on the soapbox and say, it's still this way. It's still this way. Amen. And this slackening down has made it to where now Christians in the congregation, they can't get up the boldness. To just walk over to another person's machine at work at break time and say, can I tell you about Jesus? Yeah. They, they're afraid that it's, I mean, if the preacher won't bear down, preach like they used to, and they ain't got the boldness to make somebody mad. Now, I, ain't, I ain't never come to the pulpit one time saying, boy, I hope I make somebody mad today. Never have said that one time. Never said, boy, I'm going to preach today. I'll tell you what, I'm going to skin them alive. Ain't never thought that one time. Listen, preaching, a, a, writing out a sermon, man, it looks pretty good to me. I'm thinking, man, this is going to be a sweet sermon. Amen. Talking about this sweet, man, good and sweet. But you get up there and it just comes down from the heavens. And I, I never, listen, it, I guess it just depends on the tenor of the message. Amen. I mean, I never have seen one mama come up to the little boy and says, Johnny, will you please stop lying? That lying and stealing, it, it provokes an emotion, doesn't it? Yeah. So if you're going to preach, man, you're going to have to preach. And if you're going to witness, you're going to have to witness just in the mode that it was given. Yeah. Oh, I think you might go to hell if you keep doing that. that okay, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah. No, sir. Since the dawn of time when God sent his men, when God sent his preachers, when God sent his messengers, it was time to wake up. Yeah, that's right. Amen. I surely do wish that my uh, that these modern day preachers would have got a hold of my drill instructors before they got a hold of me. Yeah. Huh? You gentlemen wake up this morning. <laughs> Uncle Sam loves you and wants to give you a wonderful day of physical fitness. Yeah. No, sir. No, sir, that ain't the way warriors are made. That just ain't the way. That just ain't the way. Maybe if you're raising a milkman, that might work. But that ain't the way. That ain't the way. Amen. That just ain't the way it goes. Let me go to the next one. I could say some more about that. Ezekiel chapter number 37. I started to quit right there, but I'm going to preach the whole message. Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel chapter 37, now it says, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of a valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, they were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. It's very many, and it's very dry. Like an like a independent Baptist church. They're very many, and they're very dry. They're very many, and they're very dry. I'll tell you what. 
I got no interest in going to a dry church whatsoever. I can sit home and be bored all by myself. I can do that. Actually, I've been happier at home by myself than in some church services I've been in. Now at this time, we're going to have Sister Susie get up and sing her favorite McCamey song. And yes, 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 yes. And then get up and turn your Bibles to the book of John. And I would like to tell you today that and that's what the rest of the congregation is doing too. No, thank you. I should have laid out a church today. You never thought you'd heard a preacher say that, did you? I have left church after being in church all day and felt like I laid out a church. I never will forget when I was a boy. I got it honest. You're being critical. I'm, I got it honest, though. I can remember that we was in a red-hot church. Our church as a boy was a red-hot mule-skinning church. Preacher Lackey would skin the fire out of you. You'd get up to go out of the service while he was preaching, he'd say, Hey, where are you going? you got to go pee? In front of 600 people. Well, I did, but <laughs> not anymore, thanks a lot. We went to a revival meeting, and it was one of them camp meetings, and, and it was pretty much for show. The old time, you know, old time sawdust trail and sawdust spread everywhere. And we went over there, and we sat around and looked, and nobody got yelled at, and nobody got right with God. And we got back in the car after the service, and my mom says, well, does anybody feel like they've been to church? And I was just a little kid, and I knew exactly what she meant by that. She meant like we went to see a show and we just paid an evangelist to set up a tent somewhere. That's exactly what happened, amen. I'm telling you what, of all the money that I put in the plate, and it may be a little, it may be a lot, I don't even think about that anymore. God told me to give, and I'm going to give, and I'm going to put it in the plate, and whatever they do with it, it's none of my business. I gave, I gave an old bum $20 one day, and some fella come right over there and jumped on me. Well, he's just going to buy booze with that, and I don't give a rip what he does with it. God said we ought to have a compassionate heart. I gave him the $20. I hope he eats with it, but what? Whatever he does with his business, that mentality is gone, Brother Curtis. That, oh, what people are, uh, how can I say that? People in this generation care more about helping people than they do that the people get help. I don't know if you can understand that or not, but you better go chew on that. Uh, people are helping people because what it does for me. I, uh, listen, I helped them. I, that ain't help. That ain't help. Hey, I put my money in the plate and what they do with it, it's their own business. If they put it in their pocket and steal it, that's going to be the hottest money they ever messed with. Hey, man, I ain't worried about that. I ain't worried about that. But listen, of all the money that I've ever put in and, uh, and all the money that's ever went into an offering plate, uh, I'd just about take that and double it again to keep from having to go to some of the mess that's going on in the world today. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about churches that just take your money and say they're going to do this and say they're going to do that and tickle you behind the ears and say, well, you know, God just, God's going to put up with anything. You, and that's, what, that's all in the world they are saying. God's going to put up with you and do whatever. That ain't the way it's going to work. But if you keep putting money in the plate, They'll keep telling you that. And if they, oh, we'll have to make the church bigger because we got so many people. Well, you can fill the Astrodome with people. Yeah. 
Yeah. They've already proved that. You can feel the Astrodome down in Texas. The Houston Oilers used to play there. It's a church now full of people yeah. that's doing it their own way. Right. And their little preacher, they, he won't even say whether a man can be saved this way or that way or the other way. Yeah. Amen. Because he's a fisherman and he's catching a bunch of sucker fish. Yeah. That's all that is. A sucker fish. You say, what's a sucker fish? You catch one, try to eat him, you'll see what it is. It's just like this fella here. He sees a field full of dry bones, and that sucker fish just a fish full of bones. That's all it is. Ain't no life to it. Caused me to pass them round about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered exactly what he should have answered. Oh, Lord, thou knowest. He said, I don't know if they can live or not. They look like a bunch of independents to me. Huh? They all got off by themselves and died. That's what happens to an independent church. I wish I could find independent. You know, preach, oh, I'm an independent Baptist. I'm an independent. I guess I'm an independent Baptist too because I can't get two Baptists to join up together. You're going to have to be independent, amen? Huh? Why in the world is there 900,000 independent Baptist churches? All of them got about 20 people apiece. Yeah. Yeah. Huh? They got off by themselves, all that independence, and they dried up on the vine. You know what a preacher needs? You know what a preacher needs? I don't care if it's this preacher or this preacher or any preacher in any church. You know what he needs every once in a while? He needs another preacher to come up beside him and say, you better watch that. Yeah, yeah that's right. Amen. The worst preacher in the world is a preacher that ain't got nobody telling him what to do, and he ain't worried about what nobody else got to say. I'll tell you, this is the way I feel like it ought to be done. We're going to do it just this way. You better get in that book and get God's hand on you. You know what that says? He, he says, he said unto me, can these bones live? You know what God wants to do with most of you people? You know what God wants? God wants analysts. Analysts. Well, God didn't call you to judge me. No, he might not have called you to judge me, but I tell you this, he took that man out and put his hand on him. The hand of the Lord was upon me. And he carried me out in the valley as full of bones. And he said, can these bones live? Yeah. That's exactly what y'all do. And listen, if you're a preacher, you ought to look out of the congregation and say, what's going on here anyway? And it ain't hard to see. Especially during the, listen, if, we, if I got to judge you during the singing when everything's rosy, I might have a hard time. But once the preaching starts, I got your number, buddy. You say why? Because I learned a long time ago, God going to put his hand on you. And it doesn't matter if you're a preacher, an evangelist, a husband, a wife, God called you to be an analyst. Amen. Amen. And just analyze it and call it like it is and leave it at that. Uh, we had a fellow come in here one time, and he, he spent two services here. Boy, he knew me well after that. And I don't know what in the world caused him to do it, but he come up to me after church, and he didn't say, Hey, brother, how you doing? Hey, man, my, mother, my name's brother so-and-so. But he come right to me, and he said, I see you're jealous of your wife. I said, Whoa. What did he want me to say? No, I ain't. Now, maybe you're not much of an analyst, but my mind begins to work out right away. And I lied like a dog. I said, man, I'm the most jealous man you ever seen. I was trained in the Marine Corps to kill people from thousands of yards away. If I ever seen a man talking to my wife, I would 
kill him 10 or 11 times before I buried his body and hid it. That's a lie. I mean, that's a lie. That's a, except for the Marine part, that's a lie. I'm not jealous unless you give me a reason to be. You say, what you talking about? Analysis. <laughs> Get up and say, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. People go, the first part of the second part. The first 17 verses of Romans chapter 1, wonderful. It's us. This is our team. We're the saints. Got Jesus, the son of David, on our side. Uh, verse 18 tells a different story. Man, you folks are way out in right field. Read it and see if it don't say that. Amen. I, I read that, I read that uh, when I first got up to uh, Faith Baptist Church and had a guy, oh, that's dumb. That's dumb. Two kinds of people in Romans chapter 1, that's dumb. It's dumb because you can't see. It's dumb because you didn't hammer it out on your anvil. It's dumb because you ain't got the hand of God on you to be an analyst. Uh, but oh, I'll tell you what, some of you mamas now, listen, some of you mamas, you get God's hand on you, you begin to analyze some things and you think, that may not be good for my boy. Mm, maybe I ought to say no about that. Maybe this ain't the best route we could go. Mama, I'm talking about mamas. Hmm? Amen. Maybe some of you daddies will get some. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm looking around here the way things are going in the house. I think we need to go to church. Huh. Mama, get your clothes on. We're going to church. I ain't going to no church. I said get your clothes on. Let's go to church right now. Amen. You mean a man should leave, you mean a man should lead his wife? A man should do that? I mean, unless the Bible's changed. Maybe your Bible did change, but mine ain't changed. Well, yours changed 10, 11 times, but King James Bible still says man ought to lead his wife. It didn't say beat her. It didn't say treat her bad. Hey, I, uh, I almost said I'm a Proverbs 31 woman, and I would have been so ashamed of that. <laughs> What I meant to almost say was, I believe in a Proverbs 31 woman. And I've heard some people, well, I'll tell you what, my wife ain't going to work a lick. Well, I'll tell you what, she can't be no Proverbs 31 woman then. That woman in Proverbs 31, she's working pretty hard. I mean, she's in real estate and weaving. Huh? That's a pretty busy lady, amen? I'm not talking about male chauvinism and women can't do nothing. I don't believe nothing even close to that. But I believe a man ought to have enough analysis in his head to say, this is the way we're going. Yeah. Amen. 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 And if you want to discuss it with your wife, you discuss it till the cows come home. But at the end of the day, you better make the right choice, better make the right decision. Maybe she is smarter than you. Maybe she knows something you ain't considered. But at the end of the day, you better consider what God wants you to do. And there ain't no way to do that, Daddy, unless you get God's hand on you. You better pray that way. You better pray that way. Some of you youngins better get God's hand on you before you decide you ain't going to do what mama says or daddy says. Well, you know, daddy says there's something wrong with that boy, but I sure do love him. But you are not head and you don't know what you're talking about. Amen. You better wait around a little bit. Amen. Thank God I waited till I was 30 to get married. Thank God. Thank God that I did. Amen. Thank God that I did, I say. Amen. Because... You only get one chance to do it right. I'd like a few more amens. Amen. 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 Oh, 
I'll tell you what, I might back up and preach that one again. The hand of the Lord was upon him. And he said, can these bones live? Now, you've probably read the story before. We're not going to go through the rest of that story. But he said, just ask him a question. Can these bones live? He said, I, I don't know. And if you don't know, you better stick around and let God give you some instruction on the thing. Yeah, yeah, right. And pretty soon God says, well, tell you what, preach to him. Yeah. Get God's hand on you. He's going to tell you to say something. Yeah, right. Well, I just don't know if I should say something about that or not. Yeah. Oh, I don't know how dangerous is it. Huh? Now, if somebody comes in wearing a color you don't like, maybe you ought to check that. Amen. Amen. I get so sick of that. I get so sick of men worrying about what other people are wearing, I can't hardly stand it. Maybe I got caught up in that trap a little bit myself when I was a younger man. But listen, if you're noticing what color everybody's what, what are you, a, a fashion designer or something like that? Oh, well, you know, uh, you know some people, they won't, they won't uh, celebrate Christmas because Santa, uh, Satan claws or they, won't, they won't celebrate Halloween because of its pagan roots, but they don't know that blue and pink stuff is pagan, uh, pagan as the day is long. And if I put my little boy in blue, evil spirits will stay away from him. And if I put my little girl in pink, evil spirits will stay away from her. And people swear by that. You wear pink, you're a sissy. No, what that means is you're observing a bunch of pagan nonsense is what you're saying. I tell you what, get your heart the right color. And let's stop worrying about what another... Uh, color somebody else's got on. Yeah. You'd be a lot better off, amen. amen. I'll tell you one thing that I know for sure about Baptists. You've got enough to worry about you besides what somebody else has got on. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Now, if you've got something immodest going on, then go ahead and preach and t talk about that stuff. But I'm telling you what, if you're a man, I, I, I don't know about women. Maybe you're supposed to be interested in fashion. I don't know. But if you're a man sitting around worried about what another man's got on, you've got yourself a little bit of a problem, sissy boy. Amen. I'm sure, I'm sure about this, Brother Curtis. You get God's hand on you, you'll worry about something that's more important than that. I'll tell you that right now. Amen. Amen. I'm not telling you to go out and wear pink. I don't wear it myself. But that's beside the point. The point that I just made is absolutely right. Amen. Amen. One more, shall we? You better all say amen or I'll give you the next two. Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 1. Verse number 1, Ezekiel chapter 40, verse 1, in the 5 and 20th year of our captivity, in the beginning of the year. I, I'm giving you all these verses because they're all of them in captivity. Yeah. Every one of these situations in captivity. Just like America's going into captivity. Just like your homes are going into captivity. Huh? Some of you got kids that won't listen to you. They're going into captivity. You're going to have to get the hand of God on you to get it back. Amen. He said, in the beginning of the year, in the tenth month, uh, tenth day of the month, in the fourteenth year, after that the city was smitten in the selfsame day, the hand of the Lord was upon me and brought me thither. In the visions of God brought he me into the land of Israel and set me upon a very high mountain, by which was as the frame of a city on the south. And he brought me thither, and behold, there was a man whose appearance was like the appearance of brass, with a line of flax in his hand and a measuring reed. And he stood in the gate... And the man said unto me, Son of man, behold with thine eyes, and hear with thine ears, and set thine heart upon all that I shall show thee, for to the intent that I might show them unto thee art thou brought hither. Declare, declare all that thou seest to the house of Israel. So he said, uh, the hand of the Lord carried me away, 
And he said, carried him away in the vision. That's high fellowship, amen. You know what we're lacking in this day and time? A vision. A vision don't just show you what you want to do right now. It shows you what's going on down the road later. The vision will tell you what's going to happen down the road. A vision is going to tell you what the consequences of a thing might be. And I say might be only because we don't know what's going to be on the mar, except for if we got God's leadership in a thing. And God, listen, if you got the hand of God on you, God might just say, now hold up, Brother Mike, before you do that. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Hold up. You know, I, I was traveling up the road. We lived down here, and I was going to go to North Carolina and buy, buy a black German shepherd. And I don't know nothing about this. I don't know exactly nothing about it, but I know it happened. I know that much. And I've learned uh, ever since then to pay attention to those little things. And I was driving up there, and listen, we had been driving back and forth from, from, uh, from Georgia to Delaware to Ruth's mom and daddy's and Georgia to North Carolina to my mama's and back and forth and up and down the road and up and down the road and up and down the road and up and down the road, thousands and thousands of miles and many, many trips. And I, th I began to think to myself, now I'm running these roads quite a bit, and you know what, ain't nothing ever happened to me. I said, man, and I began to get a little bit afraid, and I said, now, God, help me. So I got on, finished my destination, went and bought the dog from the man, and uh, put it in a little kennel and put it in the back of the truck, and I'm on my way back down, it began to rain, began to get a little bit uh, hard to see, and I'm traveling in the left lane, and there's a truck up ahead of me. And uh, it was a bridge company. I mean, I know all this in hindsight because of the state trooper and all that stuff. But a truck up ahead of me uh, was a bridge construction truck. And they had these big old plates about like that. They're steel plates about half an inch thick. And they was on a pallet on the back of that truck and they wouldn't tie down. And they began to come off one at a time. And they'd hit the ground. They'd flip through the air. And one of them flipped and come right at my windshield. And went right down in front of the truck and under the truck and split the frame of that truck right in half. I was like, oh, man. Man, I pulled over to the side of the road and I said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You said, what was that? I mean, I don't know, but I run up and down these highways 75, 80, 90 miles an hour, time after time after time, not even looking for trouble. And that day, boy, something crawled up the back of my neck and said, be careful today, son. Be careful. Now, I know that ain't exactly the context of this right here, but I know this. I had to hand the Lord on me at that time. I know I was deep in prayer at that time. I know uh, one of my favorite things to do at that time was, and I still like to do it, by the way, but one of my favorite things was to walk around this little building right here, and I said, now, God, Brother so-and-so sits right here. I pray you'd help them, have mercy on them. Give them what they need this week. And that Lord, brother so-and-so sits right here. And, and just walk around this building for hours just praying and asking God to help us and meet with us. Yeah. I'll tell you what, God won't just meet with you right here. He'll meet with you while you're on your way back to West Virginia, won't he? Yeah. Yes, he will. God will be with you at all times. Amen. And from time to time, he'll pull you over and say, now, just be careful today, boy. Yeah, this, this right here might be a little dangerous. Better watch out a little bit. Yeah. God put his hand on you. And I'll tell you what, this is a dangerous world we live in. I kind of like, listen, a lot of people running around wishing they had spidey senses. Boy, if I was a superhero, I could do this or do that. I try to keep my little boys and my little girls away from that stuff as much as I can until they got some sense in their head. But I'll tell you this, you've got some superpowers that you ought to be taking advantage of. You've got a brain to think with. You've got feet to walk with. You've got hands to go around with and work with. You've got eyes that can read that word, and you've got a knee that can 
can bend down and pray to a God in heaven. And once you get to doing that on a regular basis, God's going to reach down, put his hand on you. He'll let, he'll let you be able to see clearly. And he'll let you to be careful when you're supposed to be careful. And at other times he'll say, be careful for nothing. Just charge ahead. And you'll be able to do it in full confidence knowing that what, if, if whatever happens is good or if whatever happens is bad, my God's going to stand with me. And only people with God's hand on them thinks that way and acts like that way and lives that way, Brother Tommy. That's the only people on this earth that's got any peace like that or direction like that. Ain't you glad you're living in, a, in such a time when you've got such a perfect Word of God that you can just read it and believe it and take it for the truth and go down the road not even worried about it? Hey, I ain't even worried about going to hell today, Brother Curtis. I know he saved me, amen. I know he delivered me from it, amen. I know this, a lot of things bad might happen, but my wife won't have a drunkard husband tomorrow to wake up to. I know that. I don't know a lot of things, but I know that. Amen? Amen. I know that. You say, how? Because my family got the hand of God on them. Yeah. Amen. Could change tomorrow. That's the point of this message. Hey, just because you got God's hand on you, don't throw things to the four winds and say, now I don't need to hear that stuff no more. You need a reminder every once in a while. The hand of God is a valuable commodity. Valuable commodity. Once you get all by yourself and you begin to say, well, I could probably, I could probably get away with this. It would be fun. My flesh loves to do this. Just remember, there's a big price. There's a big price for that. The hand of God coming off of you, that's a big price. Yeah, you could do it. You could probably get away with it. Nobody probably know about it. I don't think God's trying to embarrass people. I don't think God wants to hang your dirty laundry all over Folkestone or Hilliard or wherever you live and let everybody see it. But I know one thing He wants to do. He wants to forgive you and help you and strengthen you. And get just about to put your hand where it don't want to go, where you, where you, it ought not to go, and just there'll be a voice there saying, well, "It's going to cost you yeah. a lot. You put out your hand, I might take my hand back." Yeah. Hmm. Amen. He might be merciful to you one more time, yeah. but he might withdraw that hand. And all you got to do is say, "Which one's more important? Yeah. Which one's more important?" Yeah. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Lord, I, I long for and desire to have your hand upon me. Lord, I don't want to just preach empty preaching. I don't want to be an empty witness, dear God. I don't want to be a, I don't want to be a false Christian. I don't want to be that in front of my wife or in front of my children. Lord, people have eyes they can see. Little children have eyes they can see. Lord, other Christians, they have eyes. I know you've got more than one analyst on this planet, God. People with the hand of God on them can see. And I don't want to be false. I don't want to be fake. I'm a weak man, oh God. I'm a sinful man. I readily admit that. But I want to keep your hand on me. I know this congregation wants you to keep your hand on them. There's people here representing other churches, God. I know they want you to keep, their, uh, keep your hand on them. Oh God, I pray you would. Lord, there's some young folks sitting over here. I'm so glad to see them. It's thrilled my soul to see these young boys and young girls here this week. And God, I pray you'd put your hand on them. I pray you'd help them and protect them. We live in a world, God, that's bound and determined to teach them that this old way ain't nothing to it. But Lord, it's everything to it. This this is, the, this is the way, and I pray, oh God, you'd help us to walk in it, whether we be young or old. And I'll thank you, dear God, for what you're doing. Praise you, oh God, for what you have done. Be with us tonight and direct us tonight, oh God, and I'll thank you. 
Direct each heart in the way that it ought to go. And I know you can do that, O oh God. Help them, O oh God, is my plea. In Christ's name I ask it. Amen. Amen. Now there's some around the altar, God, uh, 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 folks. And God dealing with folks' heart. If God dealt with you, uh, the pastor down here at the altar himself. And uh, so there ain't going to be no music unless somebody else can play the piano. Uh, but if God dealt with your heart, I'd come. You don't need a piano player. You need God. You don't need some music to have a good uh, time of fellowship with God. All you've got to have is what's down deep in your heart. And give it all to God and He'll deal with you tonight. He'll deal with you tonight if you'll deal with Him.